Hello, and welcome to the Sacrifice of Praise podcast, where we discuss what it means to praise God even when it's difficult. My name is Tori. And my name is Mary. And we are your hosts. Come chat about faith and life with your new sisters in Christ and enjoy learning and growing alongside us. We are so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome back to the Sacrifice of Praise podcast. Today, we will be welcoming Sam Halligan on as our guest. Sam is a dynamic Catholic speaker and author who has a passion for revitalizing the church and has a hunger to help create an atmosphere for encounters with Jesus to flourish. Sam is a graduate of Benedictine College with degrees in theology and evangelization. And since serving in his full-time ministry, he has spoken to over 10,000 individuals and speaks to thousands every year. Sam is a dedicated husband to Whitney and father to their two sons, Judah and Leo. He serves as the director of expansion for Damascus, where he has served on mission for seven years. So we are so excited to welcome Sam on. And before we do, this is actually going to be just me this episode, me and Sam. So like always, we share our current favorites and I figured I'd still share mine. So this current favorite is a date smoothie. So I am fully embracing my labor preparation. So as I'm recording this, I'm almost 35 weeks pregnant. And so since having Lauren on the podcast, I feel like I've been taking notes of the raspberry leaf tea and this four to six dates a day. And I'm dedicated to trying to get that in to see if it helps at all with natural induction and just a smoother labor process. So I will have to report back on if it worked for me. But so far, I have been having at least like two cups if of raspberry leaf tea. I've been doing it iced because I'm not a huge leaf or huge tea fan. And then my date smoothie, which is actually something I look forward to every day now because it's so delicious. I've tried a different, thrown different things into the smoothie each time, but then I finally found one that I'm like really in love with. So I use, I have a banana and like a, a pretty generous tablespoon of peanut butter. And then I do a tablespoon of chia seeds and I do a scoop of my vanilla protein powder. I got the Ritual is the brand and it's their pregnancy and postpartum protein. And what else do I have in there? I do whole milk, like about a cup of that. Oh, best part, the dates. And I do, I throw in, I've been doing four or I'll do five. Like if there's one small one, five pitted dates in there and I blend it up and it tastes like, a, like a delicious milkshake. So I've been enjoying it. It's something I look forward to every day now. Um, and hopefully it will also help with labor. So that's my current favorite. I know Mary has also been consuming her dates and drinking her tea as well. So she'll have to tell you about her experience with it. So with that, we are going to go ahead and jump in with our interview with Sam. All right. Welcome, Sam. We are so excited to have you join us on the Sacrifice of Praise podcast. We shared a little bit of your bio, which is quite impressive. And it's clear that you have a passion for Christ and evangelization just through the work that you do. And so I'm excited to hear mm -hmm. from you on some of the powerful encounters that you've had with Christ. But before we dive into all of that, could you share a little bit more about Damascus for those who are unfamiliar? Because I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of it before um, doing a little bit of research before this episode. So it yeah. looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really cool. I mean, I think, um, yeah, to share a little bit about Damascus. So we are a community of missionaries that want to bring revival to the church. And so we do that through camps, conferences, retreats. Um, it's kind of amazing because we, we often say that uh, we dreamed big, but God dreamed bigger. So we started out in 2001 as a small kind of glorified Bible camp. Like it was, uh, 63 campers, a handful of volunteers and kind of grew out of a need that there was no Catholic camp in the diocese of Columbus. And so some moms came together and said, we want to put on a Catholic camp. And then that grew over 15 years to where we were serving a thousand kids. And we started looking around, you know, we we're outgrowing all of these rental sites that we were using for, uh, for our summer camps. And then 
God moved the hearts of some amazing benefactors to purchase what is now Damascus. So we have 470 acres in central Ohio in what was a small kind of glorified uh, Bible camp turned into um, a mission campus. So we uh, were a place that we draw, um, we serve 20,000 uh, youth, young adults, uh, adults through our camps, conferences, and retreats and events um, throughout the year. So our flagship program is our Catholic Youth Summer Camp. So uh, I've been involved for close to 10 years and um, yeah, we serve we serve so many people in the church and want to bring them to an encounter with Jesus, just like St. Paul on his road to Damascus. Yes, that's amazing. And so you're originally from Des Moines, correct? And so Damascus is in Ohio, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we, yeah, uh, yeah um, originally from Des Moines, Iowa. And um, yeah, like the physical legation here is Damascus. We like to say that we are a people and not just a program. So we are a, a place of encounter, but um, we, we really are a community of missionaries that are trying to bring a movement to the church. So, um, I just recently moved back from Minnesota. So I lived in Minnesota for three years and I was helping to kind of expand our mission. So, um, we have opened a couple different camps, um, regionally, and we're looking to continue to expand the mission of Damascus as different dioceses and bishops ask for what God is doing through this mission. And so we, we, uh, definitely have our eyes set on, on expanding throughout the, the nation. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So we have a mutual friend, Addie Kroger, yes. and she is the one that recommended you to come on the podcast. She's a former guest of our podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And she just was like, Sam has some amazing stories and testimonies. And, you know, everyone has their own encounters with Christ mm-hmm. throughout their life. Yeah. And it sounds like you have had maybe a couple of those pretty mm-hmm. remarkable encounters. So could you maybe share one particular encounter of Christ as him as the healer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I would be happy to share um, some of that. I think, and it's kind of beautiful because, um, you know, the Lord desires to encounter us, right? That's the, that's the whole mission of Jesus is that he comes into the mess of humanity through the incarnation. And he demonstrates the God that seeks us. I've often heard it said that Christianity is different from all other world religions because, uh, in Christianity, God seeks man, whereas all other world religions, man is seeking God. And so Christianity is the constant pursuit of God's pursuit of man and wanting to make him like whole, wanting to make man uh, free, wanting to bring truth to man, wanting to bring beauty to man. Like there's so much beauty in the gospel that God wants to, to befriend man. Like this is, we are created out of love for love to be in love with God. And all throughout our life, we pick up these wounds or we pick up these hurts or we pick up these false notions of who God is. And I think, um, it's kind of unassuming because when we talk about healing, like sometimes we can go like, think about physical healing and definitely want to share some stories that, but I think as you asked that question, Tori, it was, um, kind of like my first encounter with Jesus was like a healing moment. Like it wasn't, it wasn't this, like I didn't have a broken bone and then was healed. It was, I had like this, you know, wound in my heart of like seeking affirmation from the world of putting my identity in things that were not of Jesus. Uh, and it was actually on January 3rd, 2015. Like I was at a, a conference, um, and it was all these young adults and we were in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was like, what is like, I was had one foot in the church, kind of one foot out of the church and was pursuing a lot of those things I mentioned of like affirmation from the world. I was seeking validation from my friends. I was putting my identity in everything other than Jesus, but would say I was a Catholic. Right. And at this conference, I had been, uh, I had been seeking the Lord and, and asking him like, God, can you show up in my life? And, um, that night the speaker at the conference was kind of preparing us for a night of Eucharistic adoration, really building faith in the room of, uh, God's power to, uh, to be who he says he is, that he's not some, uh, idea far off in space. And he's not some theological concept. He is God. Like he is the creator. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the good shepherd, the ancient of days. He is the rock of salvation. He is the root of Jesse. He is God. Like he is, uh, he's better than we could imagine. And that night the Lord came into my life. Like it was, it wasn't something I was like, ah, God, I want you to come and like mustering this up. It was just being disposed out of a yearning and God coming in the room in Eucharistic adoration. And the priest just stopped before me and extended the, the monstrance. And it was in that moment that really, I would say the first 
healing I'd ever experienced happen. And I was like the spiritual deafness being gone. Like I could never point to a time in my life where I would have said, I heard God speak to me. Right. Or I heard mm. his voice. It's, I, I think we're oftentimes told, especially as Catholics, like say your prayers, right? Pray. <laughs> okay. Whatever that means. Right. Like, yeah. I think oftentimes it's like, okay, I pray, but I don't know. No one ever gave me the tools of how to pray. Um, other than just kind of like saying rote memorized prayers, which are beautiful. And I teach my son, those there's a place for those things. Right. And I pray those prayers every day. But in this moment, the Lord spoke and he said, I thirst. And it was just so simple. It was the fifth of the last seven words of Jesus from the cross. And in that moment, he healed my ability to like hear him. Like I now from that time, I, I would say regularly, I hear God speaking to me in prayer, whether it's through Lexio Divina and the scriptures or praying the rosary or Lexio Divina, what, I mean, whatever these things are, the Lord creates a way by which we can hear his voice. And I would say that that was a huge, um, huge moment, but then also began to heal those wounds of like, Lord, I put my identity in other things. I put uh, my my desire to love in other things. I put um, so much worth in what the world has to offer instead of what you call me to. And so I think that moment for me is like the catalyst of like, when I look at all the other moments of encounter I've had with the Lord or all the beautiful ways I've seen him encounter other people, that moment is like the Lord sent me on a trajectory, right? When we look at these kind of moments of like St. Paul or Peter, it's like, I was one way and now I'm a different way because of Jesus. And so I think for me, when I looked to like my first maybe experience of like the Lord's healing power, it was, uh, that, that encounter where he just met me in my poverty, met me in my mm-hmm. brokenness and, and transformed me. Cause mm-hmm. I was never the same after that moment. Yeah. I think that's really an important p- point to make as well. I feel like when people hear encounters with Christ, they might imagine like this very powerful yeah. booming experience, which yeah. maybe that is how um, your encounter with Christ has come about. Yeah. But I feel like more often than not, it's in those like very vulnerable mm-hmm. little mundane moments that are so powerful. And sometimes you miss it like in the moment. And yeah. then afterward, you're like, wow, God's yeah. hand was in this situation. God's right. hand, he had answered that prayer. I didn't even realize it as it was being answered, but then looking back, you can so clearly see how God is working through mm-hmm. prayer or just um, listening to you. And I, and I feel like God is so beautifully, he's so, you know, gentle and it's, it's not always like this loud in your face sign. Right. It's a lot of times like these little subtle things that happen and unfold that you're like, wow, this is very much not of the world. This is, this is God here. Yeah. 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 Amen. Like, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's amazing. Like those moments where, yeah, the prophet, the different prophets talk about it of like the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in the, uh, fire. He was in the still small voice. Right. And then mm-hmm. the prophet Samuel who hears the Lord, like softly beckoning to him. And it's like, almost if you're not attentive enough, you can confuse it with, okay, is this, is this Eli speaking to me? No, this is the Lord. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's so amazing because when we come, I think have some of those moments, whether it's a moment or a series of moments, what the Lord is doing is he's pursuing us. Right. And that's what he's done our entire life long. Like I think that sometimes if you just like, for me, if I just think about it, I get like emotional of like, like, even when I did not know you, you knew me like, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's amazing that, you know, it took me 20, 21 years to have that moment of realization and like how good God is that he waited like he waited 20 mm-hmm. years to, to reveal such a, a beautiful taste of his love to me. But even when I didn't know him or when I was far off from him, like he knew me, he loved mm-hmm. me. He sought me. Like when I was a babe, like, it's like the prophets, like, like Lord, before you, before you formed me in my mother's womb, you knew me, you know, like I, a prophet to the nation, I dedicated you. Like there's, there's this pursuit of God. That's so beautiful because to us, it feels like forever, but he's, it's just like a, it's like a, a, a breath for him. Just this, this, uh, pursuit of, of us. And so I think it is beautiful. And I think to kind of what the point you were sharing as well is when we become aware of that, and maybe perhaps people who are listening, it's like, maybe you've never had that moment where it's like, you hear people talk about it. It's like, Oh, I encountered God. And it's like, it can be really intimidating to be like, I've never had that moment. Or I, I don't know, like I didn't have a special moment in adoration. Well, it's like, be aware right now, like the Lord is with you. Like he is where, wherever you're listening, like he is with you right now. And he's pursuing you. 
And I think that's the beauty of Christianity is that God is not like this one moment. If you blink, you miss it. God is here. Like God is with us. Like that is like Emmanuel. God is with us. And, And I think that's, that's the beauty of Catholicism in a way too, is like the teaching of the church is that the Lord Jesus is present here and now. So like when we look to our past, sometimes we'd be like, oh, I missed it. I missed the opportunity. Like I failed so many times in my life. Well, don't dwell on it because he's not there. He's not in your past. And don't, don't be anxious about the future and, and thinking about God, what if I make this decision or if I make, miss this wrong path? It's like, well, he's not there. He's here. He's in the present moment. Like the Lord is in the present moment. And I think that that's the beauty is like, he's, he's available. His presence is always available to us and we can invite yeah. him. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like you know, God is, he's such a patient, loving father. Mm-hmm. And he, like you said, he's, he's been with us since the moment we were created. He's never yep. left our side. And a lot of times it's our own, we are caught up in our own world and we're distracted, but, but God is waiting for, for us to invite him. Yes. In. Yeah. He's waiting for us to call on him and ask him and be vulnerable and say, mm-hmm. I need you. I, I want you, Lord. Yeah. He's not going to for- force us to say that. He's not going to yeah. force himself you know, upon us. He's always there. But mm-hmm. when we turn ourselves to you know, gaze upon him and say, I need you, I'm here, how much joy that brings to, to God. Yeah. And he's just like patiently waiting for us. And so I know that we've talked about this on the podcast before of just like, hearing God's voice and like what that means. And it's so hard because again, a lot of times, or at least in my experience, whenever I feel like God has given me a sign, I've had moments where I've had a physical, like big sign. And then I've also had times where I just didn't realize it until months, even years down the road where I'm like, that God was giving me that sign. Like that was God's sign. Yes. And I think that's sometimes hard when you're especially in like a a season of life that's been challenging or hard or whatever mm-hmm. you're faced with trial and you're like where are you God? I'm calling out for you yeah. and I don't see your face. Yeah. Like where are you? And and to feel truly like God's silent. I don't hear him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it does take some time yep. to to look back and be like okay. Now that like I'm out of the storm, I can yep. see where he was, but sometimes it can be really hard and challenging to see him. Yeah, absolutely. In the midst of that. Yeah. And that's, again, I mean, it's like when you, when you think about the power of Christianity, it's not like when we look at the word of God, when we look at the Bible, like I've got, got mine right here. It's like, there's nothing in here that is like, life is going to be rosy. It's going to be like this rainbow and butterflies. And it's going to be so easy. Like it's actually what the Lord promises is actually quite the opposite. It's like, even though if you're in the fire, I will be with you. Like Psalm 23, I've been reflecting on recently. And it's like the Lord promises in scripture to David, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff that give me comfort. And it's like, okay, what we find there is the Lord doesn't say, look, I take you around all of the valleys and take you around all the shadows and all of the darkness. No, his promise isn't, I alleviate all of your stuff. It's when you are in the valley, I'm with you, like your rod and your staff give me comfort. And, and I think that's a really comforting thing to know, because it's like, we can look at these sufferings, these trials, these heartaches, these things that happen in life, right? Like stuff happens. Life is hard. Life is difficult. I mean, Jesus, again, no servant is greater than their master. If the world hated you, it's going to hate me. Like this is, uh, there's promises there. And I think, um, but he gives us a way by which our suffering doesn't stand alone, right? There's this kind of dual edge nature of the gospel where the Lord does encounter us in the midst of our suffering. And he wants to, and I, I love how the church describes it because we call them signs and wonders that when, when you, you see a miraculous healing, or you see this miraculous intervention of God's mercy, these things are signs and wonders because they point to the destination, right? A sign points to a destination. You don't like if I were driving to Disney world and I get like an hour outside of Orlando and it's like, 60 miles to Orlando, it'd be really silly for me to jump out of the car and start celebrating at the sign. Yes, we're here. I've arrived. It's like, no, the sign points to the destination, right? So in the same way, when we hear miraculous, uh, miraculous healings or miraculous stories of beauty, it's like, we don't stop. And it's like, oh yeah, this is it. It's like, no, this points to the destination. This points to the fact that in heaven, even if like, we're not healed on this side of heaven, we like, let's say you come into heaven with a broken leg or with cancer or whatever. It's like, there's healing on the other side of heaven. 
Like there mm-hmm. are definite moments where the Lord heals here and now, but it's always, it's always for the sake of the sign pointing to how good he is to cause awe and wonder in our heart of how beautiful our father is. Like, I think it, it, it's, it's incredible to look at the, the gospels and to see Jesus's mission, because what Jesus shows us is that signs and wonders accompany the gospel and that the healings happen. Like, uh, healing is not the whole gospel but the gospel is incomplete without healing. It's incomplete without these signs and wonders. And so the Lord proclaims the gospel and then demonstrates the gospel. He shows the signs of, of uh, the kingdom of God where he goes, but then it's also not to that end, right? He goes to Lazarus and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is dead. He comes forth. He's raised from the dead, but Lazarus isn't walking around right now, right? He died again. So like, there's this kind of this mystery of the kingdom where like, God, Lazarus died and then he Mm -hmm. rose from the dead again and then he died again. So what's going on here? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, he's pointing that he's the resurrection of life and that there are these moments of healing and miraculous intervention, but ultimately we're all gonna, we're all gonna die. And it's like that, that heart, like no one gets out of here alive, but uh, there's hope in the resurrection because of how Jesus shows us that nothing conquers him, not even death. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. And it's so true. Like how the mystery of God and the mystery of how he works and he's so generous, like he doesn't need to be granting us the ability to witness his mercy, his miracles on earth. And, and he does, he can show up in some really huge ways. Like he can, through Jesus's name, people are healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, and it's happening all the time, all around us. Mm -hmm. And, And it's such a beautiful thing. And I feel like that a lot of times is because of our humanity. Sometimes like that is what we need (laughs) to, to turn, change our life around and like to totally devout our life to God. Mm -hmm. And, and he's generous in that. And I'm sure that through the work that you've done, you've encountered some pretty miraculous God moments from either you personally or people, you know, is there any stories that yeah. pop out to you of any in particular moment where you're like, wow, this yeah. was a huge. Yeah, no, God for sure. Moment. Um, it's actually beautiful because it's like, when we think about, um, what you're sharing about, it's like, we, we can look at the gospel and be like, Oh God, I, like he heals in these ways and does all these things. And it's like, you know, we feel bad sometimes therefore like, God, I want you to work the same way that you did for everybody else when you were alive. And I remember being a, uh, a senior at, uh, in college, I went to Benedictine college down in Atchison, Kansas. And I had gone, I was going into the spring of my uh, spring semester. And when I was there, uh, God, I started hearing kind of like stories of friends that were in ministry, like ministry outs when I was not in college. And, uh, they were sharing about how God did that. Like, would heal or I was kind of like a doubter. Like, I was like, I don't know about that. Like not Mm. my God, not my Jesus. Right. Like why? Because for me, I put God in a box. I think a lot of us are guilty of that sometimes is we put God in the box of our experience. I've never experienced God do this. So therefore he can't do it. Right. Or at least for me, that was my experience is like, I, I put him in this box of my experience. And then when there were things outside of my experience, I doubted them or I was skeptical. And there's, I'll never forget this moment. I had heard this all of my fall semester. And then I actually came to this place, Damascus on a, uh, I was meeting here to go to a conference with some friends. And there had recently been a time where many people were healed on site here. And we have a large auditorium that seats about 500 people um, up at the top of the hill in our, in our main building. And there was this healing service that happened here. And I, my friends were telling me about, it. I'm like, I, I don't buy it. And I walked into the room and there was this massive, like 14 foot tall statue of St. Therese of Lisieux. And as I walked in, there was this, like these different pieces of equipment that people didn't need anymore. Like, like a back brace and like crutches <laughs> and like a wheelchair. And I'm like, that, like, how does that check out? Like there's yeah, like the, there's someone who used that, who needed that. And now longer, they no longer need it. Like there was something that began to click in my mind where I'm like, okay, God, if you, if you are who you say you are, then you're doing what you still say you do. Right. It didn't depend on the apostles. It didn't depend on you being here present on earth. And things began to like, I, I don't know, like it started me on this journey, if you will. Like I came back after the winter semester into the spring semester of my senior year. And I began to just read the Bible. Like I just began to open the the gospels and to see these kind of these inconsistencies with 
my experience and what Jesus says in scripture. Like Jesus says in scripture in John chapter 14, verse 12, that, that, uh, that whoever believes in me will do these same things, like even greater works than these will, will they do. And then in Mark chapter 16, Jesus talks about how these signs will accompany those who believe they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They will uh, prophesy in my name, like all these different promises that the Lord speaks. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Like I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus promises these things to his followers. So where's the inconsistency? And so I just began to, uh, to really ask God, God, if you truly desire this for your believers, then would you give, would you give that grace to me? And around this time, I, it's kind of amazing. Cause as we were kind of emailing back and forth, we were talking about like the gift of evangelization as well. Like there's something the whole church is called to, and these gifts aren't given like healing and the gift of prophecy and the gift of boldness and whatever these spiritual gifts, they aren't given. So someone can wear it as a spiritual merit badge. Like, it's not like, Oh, look at me. I'm so special. I'm a, I, I have the gift of healing or I have the gift of prophecy or I can speak in tongues. It's not like these gifts are given for that reason. St. Paul makes it very clear in uh, the letter to the Corinthians that these things are given for the upbuilding of the church, but that's why they're, they're given to the church is that, that the church would be upbuilt, encouraged and grow in number. Like these are gifts and tools for evangelization that the world would encounter the Lord. And so when I was a student, there was this real desire for evangelization. I began to meet, um, different people in, at, in Atchison. So I kind of went outside of the bubble of a Benedictine and I met different people. And there's this one man in particular, uh, his name was Paul and he, he worked or he lived in government housing and he kind of had a rough background and, uh, he was in and out of the hospital a lot. And I just invited him over to my house for dinner. So he came over, I made dinner for him and we were talking and he was like, you know, Sam, uh, I just got out of the ER this morning. I'm like, wow. Okay. Like you're at my house for dinner tonight. This is kind of weird. And <laughs> he, he's, uh, he shared, he had chronic, uh, COPD and, and bronchitis and it kind of began to click in my mind. I'm like, okay, I've been praying all this time about a God who heals and a God who promises that he's going to use his believers to heal through them. And it was like this, the Holy spirit came upon me and was like, you need to ask Paul if he'll let you pray for him. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Jesus. Like I'm perfectly content studying right now. I just want to like learn more about you. I want to, and, and the Lord, like it was that kind of, uh, a very persistent nudge. And I think a lot of us can relate to this where it's like, okay, Jesus, I don't know if you want to speak to me or, or I don't know if you're speaking to me. And we, we all have that moment where we're like the Holy spirit is like nudging you to like, go talk to someone or to go do this act of kindness or whatever it is. The Holy spirit was there. And he was like, you need to go do this. I'm like, I don't want to do this. So anyway, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I asked, I asked, uh, I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, uh, I believe that Jesus wants to heal. Um, never seen him do it, but I, I believe that he does it. Can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can pray for me. So he takes his hat off. He's being really respectful. And I just kind of ask him, I'm like, Hey, how, how much pain are you in right now? And he's like, on a scale of one to 10, it's probably like a, a nine right now. And oh. so I just pray like very simple. There's no like bolts of lightning from the sky or fire in my hands or anything. It was just Jesus. I thank you. I pray that you would bring healing right now in your name. And pray. And I'm like, how are you doing? Like, this wasn't like Shakespearean prayer. This was just like truly a 20 second prayer. And he goes, Oh my gosh. And it, his pain level went from down from like a nine down to a five. And it was just, I'm like, okay, wow. Something's happening here. I'm like, I didn't get bit by a radioactive spider. Like this is Jesus. Like he is here. And I asked him, I'm like, Hey, can, can we pray one more time? And as we began to pray, um, I'm sure some of you guys can relate to this where it's like, God, just speaking to you, right? This is happening in prayer. This is kind of normal sometimes where God speaks. And oftentimes God will speak to me through my imagination where I like see an image in my mind's eye, or I feel a sense something. And, uh, I just saw in my mind's eye, like this image of uh, a lock over his chest. And I, I said, Hey, you know, I'm getting the sense that I've got this, that there's a, like this lock over your chest. Uh, can we pray right now for that? And so we pray and I just said, okay, in the name of Jesus, be opened. And as I pray that he just takes this massive deep breath. He's like, and then we finished the prayer. I'm like, okay, how are you doing? And he's like, my pains are like a one right now. And it was just, it went from nine to one in a matter of like five minutes of praying. And, uh, I, I share that because the beauty for that moment was like, yes, 
he received healing and like his, his lungs were healed and he wasn't experiencing this, this pain anymore, but something God did something in me of like, God, you are real. Like there was this conviction of like the Lord Jesus is not just some historical figure. He's not some broken man on a cross. He is the resurrected Lord. And this is the, the same God who looks at you, looks at me and says like, go and be my disciples go into the world and teach them all that I've commanded you. Like the Lord does this. And uh, so I think that was one of like the first, the first moments where he, he, I saw him work a miracle and it, it really kind of stoked this fire of like, God, if you can do this, then I'm going to be faithful to this. And so I started praying and I saw like, this is truly the Lord saw one healing and I proceed to pray for like 25 more people. And I don't see a single healing. Like there's not, <laughs> I ever, I'm like, okay, this is a, this is a terrible batting average. Like I'm like one for 25 here. Like I'm not, I'm not gifted. Right. But there's this beauty and faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Like in St. Teresa of Calcutta said, the Lord does not call me to be successful. He calls me to be faithful. And I think that's such a good word for us. It's like, okay, if you're ever thinking to yourself, oh, how do I go do evangelization? How do I ever go share Jesus with people? How do I, how do I pray for healing? Well, let me tell you something. Like the Lord has given this gift to everybody. This is acts like accessible to everybody. Like this is not Sam. He's super special. He's got this gift of healing. No, this is like, this is the same gift that's accessible to everybody. St. Paul says that he gives his gifts without measure. And, and again, all throughout the gospels is chock full of it where Jesus promises whoever believes in my name these signs will accompany them. And it, so it's not this promise where like every person you pray for is going to get healed because it doesn't just, it doesn't happen, right? There's this kind of this reality of we live in a kingdom that's here, but it's also not yet, right? Lazarus was raised from the dead. He also died again. So there's this mystery we live in, but if people can be healed through our prayers, then we should pray for them, right? And so I, I think that that was one of those powerful moments where the Lord began to stir this. And then since then I've seen, I mean, people healed with cancer and, and people who were uh, struggled with infertility for years, now able to have children. Like it's amazing mm-hmm. what the Lord can do through prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. We've ha- we have, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but, um, the Prairie fire ministries here in Des Moines mm-hmm. has been just such a blessing to so many people. And yeah. we've been very fortunate. We've had Tim Jamison and Grayson mm-hmm. doll on the podcast yeah. many times talking about just their, mission and their encounters as well. And yeah. then firsthand, just knowing it's at the cathedral, 15 minutes from my house right. and real healing is yes. happening through there. Yes. And, you know, we have, I have friends or I know people who have gone and they're like, I don't think anything happened. And yeah. but you just, you never know like why God, why suffering even happens in this yeah. world or why God allows it. Yeah. And, but then to know that through his name, people are being healed all the time. Mm-hmm. And even before Prairie Fires and the healing service, I remember thinking like, whatever happened when you read the Bible, you hear about all these miracles, yeah. all these miracles, like yeah. why aren't, why aren't there miracles happening these days? And I, and I think mm-hmm. I was, I want to say I was in like either freshman college or in a high school. And I asked my dad this, cause he's a very devout Catholic. And I was like, yeah. why aren't there? why don't we see miracles? And he's like, Tori, there are miracles happening literally every minute, every every day, every single day. It's not going to make headline news because that's, it's not of, you know, the world, Yeah. but if you, it's happening and it's real. Absolutely. And I mean, even just to think about like, I mean, I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday where it's like, okay, truly miraculous, right? Like these healings are incredible, but like the Lord wants our salvation, right? Like you think about that, like if, if someone's, we get so excited about seeing something very physical like that. And and we see it through the scriptures too, where the Lord is like encounters these people and they're like, do this great sign for us. And it's like, the Lord doesn't hate signs and wonders, right? He actually does it time and time again. But you think about the beauty of salvation. It's like, oh my gosh, like confession. Like if we believe what confession is, like that is greater than an exorcism, like at mass, like literal bread is transformed into the body and blood of Jesus. Like I mean, every, like every day there's miracles in front of us. Like it's actually, it's, it's, it's actually insane to think about that. The Lord, I mean, uh, he, he's a miracle working God. Like that's who he is. And, uh, he comes into our midst all the time. And it it truly is like Jesus says, whoever has eyes to see and ears to hear. That's exactly it. I was just going to say, I think part of it too, is just being open, being open to the reality of it, being open to, to encountering it. And also like, 
even going back to listening to God and feeling like not feeling like he's yep. there, yep. but but being open to listening to him. Because I think some, like you said, he's always there. He's always talking to us. The amount of times I'm like, did I just miss? Like, I'm sure I've missed so many times where mm-hmm. God is trying to speak to me and through my own distractions and shortcomings, like I just miss it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I so. mean, I think that's, it's uh, yeah. The Christian life is, is again, one of faithfulness, right? Yes, so exactly. I think that's the encouragement for all of us is, you know, like you can get in the game, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old, like you don't have to sit there and say, this gift is for Tim or for Grayson or for Sam or for Tori. This is a gift for everybody. Like the, the whole church uh, is called to, to go into the world and to bring Jesus to people. So, and you can do that in a way that I can't, right? Like that's the beauty of this is whoever's listening to this, like you have a unique sphere of influence that I don't have. Like, I, I think I'm pretty cool. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm a cool dad, but I don't like, <laughs> I, I, I don't have the access to the people that are listening to this. Right. And that's the beauty of Christianity is that the Lord Jesus knew like he could have snapped his fingers like that. And he could, he could have been the one to go into the world and to bring salvation uh, through, through like after his resurrection, but instead he chooses to use broken human beings to do it. Like he looks at all of us and he's like, no, there are people that I've been positioned in front of to bring Jesus to and to represent Jesus. And even if I'm a like stinky Christian, sometimes like, uh, uh, like my witness is better than no witness. And like he can, he can write straight with crooked lines. Like the Lord is, is so beautiful. He wants to use us. I think it's the, the summary there. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So Addie, our mutual friend yes. had mentioned that you have a pretty remarkable testimony about the lion of Judah and just an exercise that yeah. your mentor shared with you. And so I have yeah. no idea what this entails, yeah. but I am so curious. Yeah. We'll go into sharing. it. No, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. A little background, actually, this is really cool. So the, the mentor, uh, he, his name is Dan Demite. So he's one of the hosts of beyond Damascus. He's one of our founders, uh, at Damascus. And so like funny story. So when I was a sophomore in high school, um, in 2011, I went on the March for life. So that just happened a few weeks ago. Right. And I go with Dowling. I'm in Washington, DC. And many of you probably have been to the March for life before. And it's just a sea of people. And I mean, I feel bad now being like, uh, if I ever was a chaperone in that, I'm like, I put some of those chaperones through absolute like torture. Um, and being <laughs> on that March, you're like lost in a sea of people. You're supposed to stay with a buddy. And I got completely lost. Like I'm just walking around Washington DC by myself. I'm like, I don't know where anyone's at. And as I'm walking through there, um, I shoulder, just t- shoulder check someone. I'm like, run right into them. And I look up and it's Dan and Dan was on a reality TV show. And when he was in like in college in 2005, and it was all about, uh, like whether or not someone was called to be in the seminary, it was called God or the girl. That's kind of a silly show. <laughs> but anyway, I recognized him from that because my religion teacher showed us that in, in middle school. So anyway, I recognized Dan from this show. I'm like, you're that dude from that show. And he's like, yeah, I am that dude from that show. And we stay in contact. So I'm like emailing back and forth. And at that time he was running Catholic youth summer camp. So he invited me, Hey, do you want to come out to Ohio? Come to camp? I'm like, yeah, why not? I'm like, uh, my mom was like, we have a Catholic camp in town. I'm like, I don't know. I want to go to this one. (laughs) And so I, we flew out to uh, Ohio. I came to camp and it was like a super weird anomaly because I'm like, was one of the first people from not from Ohio to come to camp here. And anyway, I remained in contact with Dan from 2011 to today. He's the guy that signs my checks. It's pretty fun. So it's, uh, he, he, it's just ironic how the Lord ordained this in a, in a very unique way. Like we even share a birthday, like August 23rd, like we, we have the same birthday, um, just 10 years apart. So this mentor, Dan, when I was a missionary, my first summer, um, in 2015, the Lord, uh, was kind of speaking to Dan about some of the things that like I needed to grow in. Right. And I think sometimes this is mentors, they can see this naturally in you, but I think sometimes there's like this supernatural gift that the Lord gives us. And I would, I would call this the gift of prophecy of being able to see something in someone and, and it's really not as they are, but who they could be. Right. This is like the gift to, to not see the murderer Saul, but to see the apostle Paul, like this is the gift to be mm-hmm. able to see Peter, not as a fisherman, but to see him as the rock of the church. And so there's this prophetic insight of not as you are now, but who you could be in Christ. And so that first summer I struggled a lot with timidity. Like I was just a very timid, uh, 
not a very big risk taker. Um, and, and it was kind of this residual effect of me just caring a lot what people thought, like I was fearful of failure. Um, and Dan kind of called this out of me. He was not in a way where he was like rebuking me or like, ah, oh, you need to get better. It was just, Hey, I think, I think God has more for you here. And so, um, as missionaries during the summer, we have like Friday into Saturday, um, off before campers come back on Sunday. And during that time, Dan was like, Hey, I, I think God wants to like bring some healing into that. And so, um, in the same way that God can reach into our bodies and heal our bodies of a broken bone or cancer or, uh, like infertility, the Lord can reach into our hearts and heal us of things that he doesn't will for our life. Right. Like, I don't believe that God wanted me to be a timid individual. Like, I don't believe that he wanted me to be fearful or afraid of failure or whatever those things are. And so during this time, Dan was like, Hey, hop in my truck. We're going to drive to the other side of the lake. And it was kind of dark out. So it sounds kind of creepy, but we drove over to the other side of the lake. <laughs> It was dark out and he was just like, you know, I think as I was praying for you that, that God, you're a lion, like, and you've just been kind of a caged up lion and the Lord wants to release the roar in your life. Like you've been kind of like afraid to let your voice out. You've been afraid to be who God's created you to be. And it began to resonate with me because unbeknownst to Dan, um, some pretty like significant moments of just personal prayer on retreats. That is how God revealed himself to me was as a lion. Like it was, it was mm. something that, um, and I was always impressionable with like the, the lion or uh, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, like CS Lewis, where Aslan, the, like the lion who represents Jesus. And that was always an image of Jesus for me was just like this lion. And so to hear that kind of declared to me of like the Lord sees you as a lion. I'm like, I'm not a lion. Like I'm just kind of like, I'm afraid. Like I'm a, like a house cat. I'm not a, a lion. <laughs> And, uh, so we're, we're over on the other side of the lake and, and Dan's like, we're going to think about, I want you to think about like timidity and in Jesus name, we're just going to, we're just going to let it, we're going to, you're in a roar. And I'm like, okay, sounds kind of weird. So this truly does sound really weird, but we're in the <laughs> middle, we're in the middle of the forest. It's dark out. And I start calling to mind these things. I'm like, okay. In the name of Jesus, I release, uh, I release the lie that I'm timid and, and I just yelled, I just like, Rah! and, um, I did that several times, just renouncing some different things in my life, like timidity and fear and failure and thoughts of what other people thought about me. And, um, every time I did this, and then the last time I did it, I just did the, the like the loudest I could do it. And it was dead silent. And all these birds start flying out of the, the trees and these deer start running across the, like the path. And it was this moment where, what the Lord was showing in me was like, when you are who you are made to be, like, I'm going to, I'm going to cause something to happen. Like there's going to be like this, there's going to be this re like this something that happens from this. And so <laughs> some of you might be like, what is this guy talking about? Like, it was a really powerful experience for me of, of, uh, from that moment, it wasn't this overnight transformation. Uh, but I will say from then to now, there are still moments where I struggle of like, you know, sometimes I have timid tendencies or sometimes I'm afraid. And, but from that moment, I saw a dramatic increase in my life of not caring what people thought or being much more bold. And it's not me being like some self-help exercise. Like, I believe that that is what the power of prophetic prayer can be that like when, when God sees something in you and he calls it out of you and us agreeing with that through prayer, the Lord can actually bring that healing, that inner healing in our heart to become who he's made us to be. So that's kind of what that story is about is. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. We just had um, Tim Jamison on the podcast like a couple of weeks ago. And just you telling that story reminded me of something what he said and and that they do every single day in their ministry yeah. is just like re rebuking and yes. calling, bringing to light these lies yeah. that the enemy has, you know, fed us for so long that we believe that we're holding into ourselves and, yeah. and bringing it to light and in his name, like you're rejecting out, yeah. these lies, you're casting them out of your, mm -hmm. and like, there's true power in that. Yes. And it, you know, true healing can come from that. And yeah. I think whether it's you going out in the middle of the forest in the middle of the night, yeah. <laughs> screaming it, screaming. yeah, or if it's, you know, you at home or wherever, just yeah. taking that time and praying and, and really like, yeah, meditating on those lies that have you've dealt, dealt with or helped held on to for so long and yes. bring them to light. So yeah. important. 
Amen. I mean, that's what Jesus does, right? He, he brings healing. He brings truth. He brings freedom. And like wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Like Mm -hmm. you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I believe that the Lord doesn't want us to walk around in bondage like that. I think that is like even, even more than him bringing healing to our bodies. He wants to bring healing to our heart. Like he wants to bring wholeness to our life. Like he does not want us to walk around afraid uh, in sin. He doesn't want us to walk around like in bondage. Like that's, I think that's the beauty of Christianity is like you, you could have a broken body. Like, I mean, I think about St. Margaret of Cartona, like she was a like a crippled nun, but loved the Lord so beautifully and, and like shown forth the, the mystery of like this both and where, okay, I'm like, St. Margaret wasn't healed on this side of heaven, but she radiated Jesus's presence. Like mm-hmm. um, he wants to make us whole more than anything. So I think oh, yeah. uh, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Love that. All right. Well, you've talked about this throughout the episode, but your work in evangelization, I think yeah. it's so important. And you, you mentioned this a couple of times about how it's all of our job. Yeah. Everyone, a part of the church is, is called to evangelize. But I think that sometimes is, is difficult. It's really oh, hard. And it's amazing that you get to do this as your profession, but for many of us and our listeners, we're yeah. just regular, uh, laymen, not yeah. <laughs> don't work in, within the church. Right. And so what are some ways that, you know, we can be evangelizing our friends, our family, or just in like the, the everyday in our yeah. everyday. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first thing is to, that I would say is just, uh, sounds so simple, but pray, uh, in, in like the daily prayer, um, I would encourage you, like, if you're not, if, if listeners, you're not, you don't have like a daily habit of prayer, I would say <clears throat> baseline, like spend some time with him every day. Like whether that's five minutes, 10 minutes, I, I go every morning to, uh, the CrossFit gym in town and it's about a 10 minute drive. And every morning I'm listening to hallow. Like I, I just hop on the hallow app and, uh, listen to the daily reading with, uh, with the, with the narrator. And it gives space in that 10 minute drive for me to invite Jesus into my life. Um, on the first, the first drive, right. The first fruits of the day. And I think when we open ourselves up to Jesus in prayer, it gives him space to transform us, right. When we go into prayer, like true prayer, and this is like the, the teaching of the church is like, like sometimes when people will be like, oh, I don't know if I prayed. And it's like, you know, if you prayed, if your life looks different thereafter, right? Like prayer is not meant to be this check-in check out, like check the box, did it today. Prayer is meant to give us a transformative experience where we are experiencing an increase of peace, an increase of patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, love, joy, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Like we should be growing in holiness from our prayer. So I think that's more the telltale sign of our prayer than anything. It's not like did I feel God's presence during prayer. It's does your life look different after prayer? Because that's that's the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is transforming our life. And so that connects, I would say, because when we spend time with Jesus, Jesus gives us his heart for the world. And then from that place of prayer, so first prayer, second, I would say, understand that like, this is your call. Like, I think sometimes it can be very difficult to be uh, questioning like, Oh God, am I, am I called to be an evangelist? You don't have to question it. You are (laughs) like, because it may not be your job title. It may not be uh, someone's profession, but it's the call of the church. Like one of my favorite encyclicals is, uh, from, from Pope Paul, the sixth it's Evangelii Nunziandi. And in that letter, he says, he says the deepest identity of the church is mission. The church exists in order to evangelize. And so when we look at it, it's like the church is not the guys in Rome. The church is not the priest, the church is us. Like we are the church. And so when Pope Paul VI says the church exists in order to evangelize, the church is mission, that's our call. And and so we get to that question, the million dollar question of what I was talking about earlier when when people are like, hey, you should pray. We're like, I don't know how to pray. When people say this, you should evangelize. We're like, I don't know how to evangelize. So first pray. Second, understand that this is your call. Three, who's who's in your path? Like, it doesn't have to be this, you know, you don't have to be on a stage speaking somewhere. You don't have to be traveling around the world or go on a mission trip to Africa. Like love your family, Mm -hmm. love your coworkers, 
love your parish. Like, I think the world, like we talk about how, like the world is in this crisis of faith. And I think actually, I would disagree with that. I don't think the world is in a crisis of faith. I think the world is in a crisis of hope. The book of Hebrews, it talks about how faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. And hope at its heart is knowing that God is good and that he's in control. And so if we can be testaments of God is good and he's in control, like everything that's going on in the world, like you don't have to worry about because God's not freaking out. He's not sitting on his throne being like, oh my gosh, like what is going on over in Russia? What is going on over in China? What is going on in America? Like the Lord's not freaking out. And so I think if we can understand that, like we each have a, like a, a circle of influence, if you will, like whether that is your workplace. And I think I, we understand there's parameters. You can't necessarily go down your hallway screaming like Jesus. Like, <laughs> so how do, how do we do that? I think witnessing to the, like the culture of life, witnessing to the culture of Jesus. Like if, if you have a, a workplace that's filled with sarcasm, don't be a sarcastic person because sarcasm has no place in the gospel. Mm-hmm. If you have a workplace or a family context that is filled with gossip, don't stoop to gossip. Like gossip has no place in the, in the kingdom of God or in the gospel. Okay. Oh, so, um, what, what can we do? We can invite people. Like, I think that's, that's super big is being able to invite people, whether it's to a great program at your church or to a Bible study with you. Um, if you're a parent, invite your children to pray with you. Like, I think, uh, Tori, like, I'm sure you understand this, like, having young children. It's like this right now is like the key moment to build the foundation of holiness for the rest of your children's lives. Like every night, even if I don't want to every night, if I don't feel like it, okay, Judah, we're going to pray the, our father, the hail Mary and the angel of God prayer. Why? Because he needs to grow in a foundation of prayer independency. So I think, uh, some of those things would be really the next steps for people is make sure you're praying every day, understand that this is your call. And then ask who's in my circle of influence. Everyone's mm-hmm. got a family. Everyone's probably got a workplace. Everyone's got a parish community. Everyone goes to the marketplace. So how can we understand that the people closest to us are our biggest mission field, right? My, my wife and my children are my, my biggest mission field. My, my parents, my sister, my brother, they're another part of my mission field, but then they're the random encounters. I've, I've seen people at marketplaces and on, on uh, airplanes that have come to Jesus through like a 30 minute conversation. I don't know what their life is like now after that airplane ride, but I witnessed to Jesus in that moment. And so I think just understanding, like you don't have to be some, you know, like preacher that goes around the world, like just love your family and, mm-hmm. and invite people into relationship with Jesus. Yeah. That's so, yeah, so true. And I think also living out your faith boldly, which isn't always easy in this, in this day and age, yeah. but I think, um, even praying for the grace of that to be able to like fully be of God and not ashamed of it where, you know, wherever you are, whoever you are, you don't have different personalities or um, act differently depending on who you're with. You just, everyone knows you are a Christian man or a woman. And so, yeah. 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 Okay. Last question. Yes. And I, this is a, this is a question I asked myself many times because I don't know the answer, but what would you say, or do you have a like go-to thing that you do or you say, or you give to someone who maybe isn't Catholic, yeah, who starts to show interest in Catholicism or wanting to know more, or even like acquaintances, friends of yours, family of yours that is Catholic, not very, not practicing. Yeah. And like. I don't know, maybe starting to ask more questions and you don't want to like be overbearing, yeah. but you also don't want to sit on, yeah. sit on it. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's a really good distinction, right? Cause there's like, um, I would, I almost play it two ways, right? So there's almost like the short game with people and there's the long game with people. And what do I mean? What am I, what do I mean by that? The short game is like, okay, <clears throat> I'm on an airplane with someone for an hour and a half. I'm never going to see this person again. Now is the time I am the one, if I don't share this God, like if I don't share something with them, then like I might be the only gospel they ever read. Like I might be the only encounter with Jesus they ever have. That's not to put unnecessary pressure on people of like, Oh, I need to share Jesus. It's like, uh, Jesus went about his ministry in a very, uh, effortless and, and beautiful way. Like 
it says in scripture that Jesus did nothing apart from what he saw his father doing. So, and he didn't also heal everybody. Like this is kind of crazy. And without going too far into a tangent, like it, it, it says that there is in, in, in the acts of the apostles, there's this man at the beautiful gate that, that James and John heal after uh, Pentecost. Like this comes around every year um, uh, between Easter and Pentecost and the daily readings. Um, and okay. The beautiful gate is where Jesus would have walked anytime he came into Jerusalem. So presumably Jesus walked past this man like all the time, but he didn't heal him. And so there's this, Jesus didn't live life and ministry under pressure where he saw all these people and that needed to be healed. And he healed every single person. Now, the, the thing is, is everyone who asked him to be healed, he did heal, right? So there's kind of this juxtaposition. And mm-hmm. so what I mean by that is wherever the Lord asks you to go, just go. And I think being at, be able to be available. So in the short game, uh, I oftentimes will, if I'm on an airplane or something somewhere, I'll usually wait to the last minute because I'm kind of afraid. And I'll say, hey, you know, this is going to sound kind of weird. I'm a Christian. I oftentimes just ask people how I can pray for them. Is there is there anything I can to pray for you. And sometimes people are like, oh, that's very nice of you. No, 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 thanks. Or sometimes people like pour out their whole life story. And I think what we're doing in that moment, when we just ask a question is you're opening the door and Mm -hmm. people can either close the door or open the door. And sometimes it's one of two responses. I've been cussed out. I've been like, (laughs) and it's great. I mean, this is what Jesus promised, right? He, he, he lived a life that people either wanted to crucify him or follow him. And so I think that that's, if we're being if we're truly living that uh, and presenting the gospel, it's like, yeah, there's going to be days where the door is shut in our face. Um, so that's, I would say the short game, long game relationships, like family members, in-laws, uh, friendships. I had an experience at Thanksgiving recently where uh, there was a family member who um, isn't Catholic, uh, but just out of nowhere to start asking me all sorts of questions about the church. And I think, instead of my response of like hopping on my, you know, soapbox and starting to preach at this person, I just, I followed kind of Jesus's lead. And and the way that Jesus conducted ministry a lot is when people would ask him a question, he would ask them a question. Mm-hmm. He, would, he would be like, what do you mean by that? And so I, I, I usually let people kind of take, like run the pace of the conversation. So I usually, uh, a principle I live by is the issue is usually not the issue, right? When people are like, why does the church hate gay people? It's like, okay, <laughs> Not that first off, not true. Like the yeah. church doesn't hate gay people. What's underneath that? Like, what are they right. trying to get at? And so I think yeah. being able to live from that perspective of like, what do you mean by that? I think it was one of my favorite questions to ask is just, what do you, what do you mean? Or could you, could you tell me more? And I think when people, when you, when you ask questions, when people are asking questions, it gives permission for them to kind of set the pace of the conversation. And mm-hmm. then I also think we get to this scary moment where we know that if we're following the Lord, and we're asking those types of questions, there will be a time where we have to probably share the truth. Like you have, mm-hmm. you have to be, you have to be willing to share like, yeah, you know, Jesus is the way now he's not, mm-hmm. he's not one way among many. He is the way like, he's not one truth among many. He is the truth. He's not yeah. one life among many. He is the life. Like Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And so, I mean, I think ultimately our goal in that is that we don't hurt people. Our goal in that is that we build trust. Um, so that when that moment comes where we kind of drop the J bomb or we drop the Jesus bomb, that it's received in a way that, uh, and ultimately we don't control that. Uh, we, we can, we can try to be obedient to the Lord's will, but ultimately, uh, our job is to share the Lord's job is to massage the heart and to create an openness. And it's up to the person to receive or to, uh, reject. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, that's kind of the beauty of it is it's not up to me for, for someone to make a decision. It's just, I'm, I'm supposed to be able to make sure they have a decision to make. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So good. So true. And I've, I've talked about this with my husband before too. And he's like, it's not like one book is going, I mean, there are many wonderful Catholic books out there. And right. sometimes that is like what opens yeah. the door right. for some, but like, it's not always the answer. And I think every individual responds differently. Yeah. So it, it's very much also about like, who the person is, the situation. So I yeah. love that about almost asking them yeah. um, to take the lead a little bit more on if they're starting to pique curiosity. So yeah, yeah. great, great advice. Yeah, well, thanks, Sam, Corey. you've been such a gift to us in the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little bit about 
you and what you do and some of those amazing stories and yeah. some tips on evangelization. So we end all of our episodes in prayer. So I'm yeah. going to go ahead and just close this out in, in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of CM, the gift of this podcast. Thank you for the gift of understanding and curiosity. There's so many people who, who are listening, who are yearning for your love, yearning to know you and love you. Lord, I just pray that you continue to guide our heart to you. Help us to understand your will. Help heal us. We are all so broken and we turn to you for, for healing, spiritual, physical, emotional healing. Lord, we pray that you continue to help lead us every day. Help us to be the greatest disciples that you have called us to be. We, we love you, Lord. We praise you. We ask all these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a friendly review. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Sacrifice of Praise Podcast and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, know that we are praying for you. Bye. Bye.